Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 74 of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob? Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody, Wang Chung tonight. If I close my eyes, I feel like I've gone back in time. Yeah. What what yeah. year would it be, Bob? If oh, you went back Rick, to... don't do this to me, Rick. <laughs> what are you talking about? Every single week. Every single week. Why do you not prepare for these things? What year is it, Bob? Rick, what I have no today? idea. Come on. Oh, Come on, man. This isn't hard, Bob. We're covering today. All right. We're covering today. Captain America, 330 to 332. What year did they come out, Bob? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I could oh tell you, Rick. Did you read the episodes, Bob? Rick, Rick uh, you know, I, I read these comics, but, you know, I read them online, man. Okay. Gonna, I, don't, I don't look up the dates. It's from 1987. Do you know how old I am? Do you know how bad my oh, memory stop. is? Stop. Stop. No, You're like I, two years older than I, that. It, it hits you, Rick. It hits you. Oh, those, okay. those, <laughs> those last two years, buddy. Let me tell you, they're going to hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, I've been duly warned. You have right. been warned. All right. So, yeah, yes, I went to the Hot 100 singles of 1987, according to Billboard magazine. And do you know what was number 11 that year, Bob? Would it have been Wang Chung? I don't no, know. It was La Bamba. But number 12 <laughs> was Everybody Have Fun Tonight by Wang Chung. Those were fuzzy, fuzzy years, man. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, these, these are like a who's who of songs from 1987. You want to hear? You want to yeah, hear? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to do like a Casey case and and like I'm going to work, walk my way back. Okay. So I love it. All right. Number 12 was everybody have fun tonight by Wang Chung. (laughs) Number 11, La Bamba. All those Lobos. And by the way, this is, this is not my, my Casey case and voice. I have not practiced it. It would take me a while to get that down. I'm just, I'm just having a little fun, like a DJ voice. Number 10. Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Oh man, Bon Jovi! You know his. I didn't know this. You might, you do probably know this because you're living up in New Jersey these days. But is that his actual name? I know his son's name is like Bon Jovi. It's like one word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, it, yeah. He he broke it out. Yeah, Bon I, Jovi. I, that's that's it's a stage name. It, I had a, no idea that was his. Like I knew his name was like John Bon Jovi, but I didn't know it was one word. Yeah, and it's spelled slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Jersey boy. They're very proud of him here. Yeah. Uh, all right, here you go. Number nine, Bob Seeger. Shake down. Break down. <laughs> what movie was that, that too? I'll tell you, that's what happens those last two years, Rick. That's <laughs> yeah. what you got to look forward to, a yeah. shakedown and a breakdown. What do you remember what movie that was too? Uh, oh gosh. No, I don't. Wasn't that like 
I want to say Beverly Hills Cop 2. It, it does sound it does sound like it might be a Beverly Hills Cop uh, movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Bruce Hornsby in the range. That's just the way it is. <laughs> right? Ain't no ever going to change, Bob. It isn't. That's just it, the way it is, buddy. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. is. Hey, That's the short hey, version. Hey, get a job. It's a line to the song <laughs> where the, the guy walks by a, a homeless person. He's, he tells him to get a job. It was very I, sad. It was very I, mean. I do not remember that. But no, okay. It struck yeah. me as a teenager. That was very cruel. I wasn't I watching a lot of MTV. Like I was in military school at that point. I wasn't oh. watching a lot of TV. I was I getting yelled you. at mostly. You, you do realize this is a song and not on TV, right? Yeah. Okay. We don't have radios, but they had MTV then. I didn't. I was I was poor. I didn't oh, have cable. Right. That was back, I think, when MTV was still kind of okay. Yeah. Here's number seven, Bob. Here I go again. <laughs> Little white snake action. Little white snake. Yeah. Tiny contain, right? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I get a little I get a little shawing. <laughs> I think I think it was I think I was they were talking about Connie Katang on Wayne's World. Shawing. Shawing. Uh, yeah. uh all right here we go number six uh robbie neville say la vie say la vie <laughs> oh, i'm just laughing at my facial i can't believe you you remember the lyrics to i, I realize they're in the title but uh, you still seem to know the lyrics to these yeah. songs it's impressive uh number five was starship Nothing's going to stop us now. Ooh. Now, now, Bob, Bob, where do you know Starship from? What, what, what was, what was before Starship? Wasn't that Jefferson Airplane? Yes, it was. Well, it was Jefferson Starship. It was Jefferson Starship. Then it was Jefferson. Yeah. Before that was Jefferson Airplane. Was that the theme song to Mannequin? I don't know. They did, they did the, they did the theme song to Mannequin. Oh, did they? Kim Cattrall and. Uh... Oh, Schwing. Yeah, that was Schwing. <laughs> uh whitney houston number four i want to dance with somebody here's a little story somebody who loves me (laughs) i really wanted to meet whitney i went to uh i went to uh, a college briefly with her cousin uh whose name i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell his name because he's you know barons if you're listening uh, he was my roommate in college. Oh yeah, uh, he was Dion War- Dion Warwick's uh, nephew. You know, uh-huh. Whitney is her niece. Different, uh-huh. different uh, siblings, and so um, he he got me to drive down from Vermont to a basketball game in New Jersey, a high school basketball game, mm-hmm. to to see these two girls that he was dating at the same time. And they didn't know that they were both dating him at the same time, but I was just holding on to a hope that Whitney was going to be there and that I would get a chance to meet Whitney. It didn't pan out. And, and they found out anyway and broke uh-huh. up with them. And uh, so, but it was a great adventure. I don't know if he wants you to tell that story. <laughs> I've, I've lost touch with them. It's been years and years. Oh, well, now he knows of, how to track you down. I got a lot of stories about Barron's. That guy was, uh, that guy was a lot, a lot of fun. I bet. All right. Uh, number three on the Hot 100 singles of 1987 would be Gregory Abbott and Shake You Down. I don't even remember that song. I don't either. Yeah. That's wow. one I don't know. That's All right, lot. here we go. Heart. Oh. Heart. 
Ready? Alone. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a real tearjerker. It is. Yeah. It is. But it was number two for 1987. A lot of people's heartbreak. I got to tell you, number one, I had a huge crush on this, the lead singer of this song. She wasn't the lead singer of the band because they all took turns, but she was the lead singer in this song. Had a huge crush on her. The Bangles walk like an Egyptian. Walk like an Egyptian. Uh, was it Hoff? Susanna Hoff. Susanna Hoff. Yeah. Uh, I had a crush on her. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was more of a sixteen-year-old uh, Rick had a crush on her. Like, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I was uh, a couple years before you. Uh, I was more of a go 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 go's Jane. Oh Wheatland. sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jane Jane Wheatland, right? And she I was in which uh, one Bill- was her? I she mean, I, I obviously know dark curly uh, hair, Cindy Car- uh, Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, but I not don't Belinda. Think- Jane Whedon was uh, thinner, uh, curly black hair, and she was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think she played Joan of Arc, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little cameo All right. there. All right. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Had nothing to do with this top twelve we just <laughs> went over, but you know, it's all about you, Bob. Yeah, it is. It's all about you. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the uh, hello. That was a fun hello. I'm glad everybody uh, uh, got into that. Uh, is uh, well, I don't know if they did or didn't. <laughs> it's presumptuous, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, right. Yeah. There's some people like there's there's some people going like that wasn't the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some. That's not what I signed up for, folks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, where's the cap? All right. So, Bob, uh, we got to get through. We got we got three issues to cover mm-hmm. today because today we are getting back to Road to the Captain, Part Two. Mm-hmm. Now, what is this about? If you didn't listen to Episode Seventy, you probably want to go listen to Episode Seventy. That was Road to the Captain, Part One, where we covered issues three twenty seven to three twenty nine. We we have this eight part series, Bob, crazy once a month. And actually, it's the, the second Wednesday of the month. Okay, so the second Wednesday of the month, that podcast is devoted to this eight-part series. And we are doing the 24 issues from the part where uh, leading up to Cap resigning being Captain, or Steve resigning being Captain America, to the point where you know he becomes the captain, to John Walker's now the new Captain America, to their journeys, to when they ultimately uh, fight in issue 350 to who's going to be the Captain America. Okay. We all know how it works out, but the beauty of it is the journey, right? And so this today, we're covering issues 330 through 332. Um, now, the we got a lot to cover today. So let's, let's get to what everybody's been um, waiting to hear, Bob. Uh, how much weight have you lost? Oh, now, I'm not, oh. I, I, by the way, uh-huh. I, I let pause here. I apologize. Uh-huh. I just want to put, you know, we have due to some scheduling difficulties, we, we had to kind of like go out of order and how these things, right? So in next episode, which is uh, 75, we, we already recorded that. So you might hear, you know, the fact that we were struggling with our weight in issue 75, and then this one's going to throw you off, but it is what it is. And this is where we're at. So Bob, where are you at? Or not, or not Rick, or not, or you might hear that Bob has just sort of 
hovered around the same weight, uh, having lost 4.8 pounds and is sort of still stuck there. Oh, okay. Well, because you were at 5.1 pounds before. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I gained, I gained a little bit, a little bit. Oh, Maybe a little water weight. Who uh-oh. knows? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, Bob, I'm, I, keep, I keep edging away. Just, you know. Uh-huh. You're chipping away. I, I'm chipping yeah. away. You're like Thank a you. little little chipmunk. Chipper. Chip chipmunk. Yeah. Yes. Little, I, uh, like thank little, you. Right. Michelangelo working on a block of granite, just chipping away. Yes, I'm going, I'm chipping away at my my six pack. <laughs> uh, right now, right now, you know. I'm not a keg anymore. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But uh you know what they say? They say we all have washboard stomachs. Uh-huh. Just some of us have more laundry than others. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no charge for that. Um, all right, I'm a 4.6. Wow. All right. Yeah, Congratulations. So I was a 4.2. Now I'm a 4.6. Now, again, you're going to listen to this episode next week mm-hmm. and you're going to go, well, wait a minute. Now Rick's 4.2. No, no, that was last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apologize if we're confusing anybody, but so there you go, Bob, you're 4.8. I'm 4.6. It's pretty close. So it Bob, is. do you have a new song in mind for this wager of ours that <laughs> if, uh, if I, if you get to town pounds off before I get town pounds off, what song are you going to make me sing on air? No, I haven't given this a lot of thought this week, Rick. I've been really swamped, but you know, you you sort of piqued my interest tonight. With, oh, with those nineteen eighty seven songs? Yes, with that with that uh, mysterious Greg Abbott song. <laughs> I should sing that. <laughs> I just want to hear it and know and be refreshed about what it was. So I may I may just go with the Greg Abbott. Num- was it number three from? It was the number yeah, three song from nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, so all right, surprise me. Yeah, yeah, the funny thing is, is I'm going to hear it and be like, oh. Yeah, right. But, but right now it doesn't. It doesn't. Really Clearly, count. it was a one-hit uh, wonder. Greg Clearly. Abbott. Did yes. he end up running for governors of Texas? I mean, who is who's this Greg Abbott? I don't know who that is. I never I heard of know. him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe who's on first? Uh, so I was thinking for you, Bob. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like Aretha Franklin? Well, I, I know I don't listen to Aretha, but I do respect the woman. Yeah. Oh, oh, respect the woman. I get it. Uh-huh. Nice little play on words. Yeah, well, yeah. Is is it so should I should I get you to sing respect? Is that should be it? That might be a good one. Might be well, it's one. not, Bob. No, yeah. I was thinking more of this one. I, I'm woman. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I feel that actually. I can feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get in touch with that side of myself. That's Excellent. okay. That's yeah. the one. Uh, you know, that could be that could be the song I pick for you. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. All right. I'm not as alarmed as I thought I would be. So I don't know <laughs> what to make of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Bob, you remember when I, I, we last episode we were talking about hey we haven't got any kind of uh apple podcast reviews yeah uh, they're, 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 they're coming season. in they're coming in Ooh. we got another one you want to hear it yeah i do all right so this one 
uh, is RL Sharp 77. I wonder if that's Liam Sharp, the famous comic book artist. I don't know. It's a silent R. Hmm. All right. So RL Sharp 77 writes, he gives us a five star review and said, and, and the title of this is a star spangled podcast with like four exclamation marks. Whoa. I got to say, Bob, like I'm not a grammar Nazi, uh, but I, I have a little, uh, I got a little thing when it comes to exclamation points. Really? Really? How are I you? Do. What, what, how do you feel about and, ellipses? Uh, well, ellipses, that's uh, it's three, it's three dots. Yeah. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and the, oh, but I will say I use the ellipses quite a lot. And the uh, ellipses has to be followed by a space before the next word. You can't mm-hmm. say word, dot, 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 word, right? It has mm-hmm. to be word, dot, 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 space, word. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. But R.L. Sharp, when he says a star-spangled podcast, he gives us, actually, it's three exclamation points, which is the correct amount of exclamation points. It's either one or it's three. Okay. The two, yeah. like the, the two, I mean, mm. what, what are you trying to say? Yeah. If you have two exclamation points, what do you, are you, you know, you're excited, but you're not really excited. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, two, mm-hmm. just don't do two. Mm-hmm. Don't half-ass something. Okay. You know what Fair I mean? Yeah. And then four, you're a sociopath. Okay. okay? You're just, yeah. you're just a little crazy now. Yeah. Right. It's so, either one or three. So, so how are the meds? <laughs> now now listen Bob, this is coming from an uh an advertising marketing guy okay yeah, right. so i i've written i've written and read a lot of copy in my days uh-huh. i've done more reading than writing but oh my god people go crazy with the, with the exclamation points i i'm a big fan big fan big fan of exclamation points i i, I may use them too much in my, especially when I write to my students, because I want to encourage them, uh-huh. you know, and so great job, you know, I throw in an exclamation point, keep up the good work, nice. you know, but then I, I got to go to after and make sure that I'm not like using them too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. So if I'm writing an email to somebody or, or heck, if I'm doing a comment on a Facebook post, the first sentence may have an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the second one may have an exclamation point. If I go to the third one and it has an exclamation point, I go back and I make sure the second one is a period. I, I do the exact same thing. Do you really? I swear to God. I've been doing discussion post comments. I do that. I go, okay, oh no, I gotta like I gotta have a break. Yeah, because yep. you can't have three sentences no, in a row exclamation. It just cheapens it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What are you, a right. cheerleader? I mean, yeah, you know exactly. You know, you know, get a hold of yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and hey, listen, no offense to cheerleaders. God loves them. Yeah, you know what I mean? I love them. Yeah. I, exactly. I mean, I would have never learned how to spell defense if I didn't have, you know, one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or, you know what? I, I, I would not have known. For spirit, you know, yeah. Or, or no, you know, B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. I mean, like, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to spell, be aggressive. <laughs> sorry to all the cheerleaders out there i'm just having fun i love it all right so a star spangled podcast three exclamation points you already get a bonus star for that rl sharp well well done all right he writes 
found this podcast by accident, was growing tired of podcasts about MCU Captain America, was looking for something truer to my love of the Captain America mythos, quickly became a member of the Facebook group as well. Top 10 villains, not named Red Skull, was my first episode listened to. Was sad not to see Heinrich Zemo, not even as a dishonorable mention. Hmm. But love the podcast and would love to see a top 10 of sidekicks, not named Bucky. Ooh. So, so thank you for your five-star review and your comment, uh, RL Sharp 77. It's much appreciated. Uh, I will say... I get another bonus point. Uh, obviously, um, he was really paying attention because he called it a dishonorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of something we had a little fun with. And if you haven't um, listened to that episode, which it's one of our most listened to episodes, it's episode nine. And it's the top 10 villains not named the Red Skull. Um, top 10 sidekicks. I not named Bucky, he wrote, which right, I, yeah. I respect. Yeah. I don't know. Can is there? First of all, is there more than ten that we can, you know, narrow it down to ten? I don't mm. think so. Mm. And then if mm. we were to, we'd have to, we'd have to like really uh, on the on the def- definition of sidekick maybe as opposed partner. to yeah, as opposed to somebody he's partnered with, right? Right. You know, on a you know, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say I I don't now I'm going to get hate mail on this one. Mm. Ready? I wouldn't even put in parentheses, not named Bucky. Who's to say he's number one. (gasps) Oh, you said it. I did. Hey, listen, Sam Wilson. Yeah. You have to admit he had more adventures with Sam Wilson than he ever did with Bucky. He covered a lot more ground with Sam. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So uh, I think it's a disservice to to say automatically that it's Bucky. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? Maybe it's not even Bucky. Maybe it's Buchanan Barnes. Right. Because which one's better, Bucky or Winter Soldier? Right. Yeah. That's a debate right there. If it is. Yeah. All right. Something to think about. Yeah. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so let's get to the comics, Bob. We're going to start with issue 330, which had a cover date of June 1987. So that probably came out, hit the, the racks, maybe like in April of 87. Um, great cover by Mike Zeck and uh, inked by Bob McLeod. Um, 
And this was back when Mike Zek was brought back, you know, post Secret Wars, post Punisher miniseries, post annual number eight, you know, with with Wolverine, where he came back and he was strictly doing covers for Captain America. And this was one of them. And it's a demolition man cracks up and it's a huge demolition man uh, punching at a ducking Captain America and he's hitting these steel walls and, and just pounding them and they're breaking and caps, uh, you know, got his angry Mike Zek face on as he's, he's dodging the, uh, the, the punch. So it's a really, you know, it, it gets your, gets your attention. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Paul Neary's Captain America, the, the running Paul Neary is, is up in the corner box and uh, 75 cents gets you this issue. Uh, still a good deal. Yep. The solicitation for this particular issue was guest starring the Brothers Grimm, The Needle, Tatter Demalion, Gypsy Moth, Shroud, Dance Macabre, Night Shift, Digger, Werewolf, Kanan. Where's Captain America in all this? He's right in the middle of a climatic battle with the Power Broker. So that was the solicitation so this was written by mark runewald and all of these are going to be written by mark runewald um penciler tom morgan this is actually uh tom's first issue of captain america and he is inked by sam de la rosa colorist is ken fedunowitz letterer diana albers editor don daly all right so the name of this issue is called night shift the sewers of los angeles are alive tonight with monsters who were once men victims of science gone awry these misshapen mutates prowl the dank tunnels in search of prey woe be to anything that crosses their path and it's a big splash page of captain america submerged it under the water of a sewer and you can only see um you know his his legs and arms because his torso and his head is pushed underwater by this huge mutate where another one is is holding his shield another one's punching him and there's like he's growling and howling and um it's pretty uh pretty eerie next page um we see Cap frees himself by kicking the the mutate off of him and hitting the one with the shield, dislodging his shield. And the shield comes back to him. And he thinks to himself as he comes out of the water, for a moment there, thought I'd never get the leverage I needed. There's an art to fighting hordes of mentally disadvantaged brutes. Haven't had any practice since I liberated Castle Zemo a while back. Castle Zemo, Bob, what, what, what's he talking about? Whoa, way back in Captain America 276, Rick. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? When he I, was. I do. That's what some of my favorite characters, Rick. You know that. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, Cap versus Baron Zemo, and there was um, Vermin. There was Primus acting as Zola. And he had all these mutates that were just kind of mindlessly attacking him. And of course, beautiful artwork by Mike Zek and John Beatty. Um, If, uh, if you guys 
want to hear us cover that story. We covered it back in episode 32. And it was, uh, we covered issues 275 through 278, which was The Return of Zemo, written by J.M. DiMatteo. So check out episode 32. So Cap is making work out of these guys. He's got his shield and he's pounding them. Wish I didn't have to play so rough. But these boys are so strong since the strength augmentation process the owner went didn't take right. These poor souls are easily 10 times stronger than me. Unfortunately for them, you need intelligence to fight well. The cap's fighting, knocking him down with his shield and punching him. The power broker is going to have to a lot to answer for crippling these men like this and then abandoning them. Just remembered, Dr. Malice was with me. Did the augments get him or did he manage to escape? And so we see uh, Dr. Malice. He's in the same sewer tunnel as Captain America, uh, and he's in waist-deep water trying to, to, to escape. Bob, I'm a little confused, because last we saw him, he was being chased by a mutate, and he jumped in some sort of upper tunnel and, and closed a, you know, there's a, there a small opening, but the mutate was so big, couldn't follow him after, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I think this is a case of a different artist taking over and maybe not having the benefit of that story. Yeah. So Dr. Malice is thinking to himself, oh dear, I knew we should have destroyed these failures instead of letting them loose. They may have allowed me to escape from that horrid Captain America, but if even one of them were to recognize me as one of the scientists responsible for their condition, I'd be as good as dead. Oh, please let this passage lead out of this dismal maze. And as he gets into the, the small opening, there's a, a howl, Bob. What, how's it say? What, 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 what was that? The failed augments have never made sounds quite like that. I, I think it came from behind me. Well, whatever it is, I'd rather take my chances with it than with those mindless monsters. Probably just the wind anyway. Yes, that's it. The wind. And he goes running down the hall. But just in case, I'd better run for it. Sure, wish I was better lit down here. And then that noise comes back, Bob. Oh! It's getting louder. Are those footfalls behind me or, or, or just my own echoes? Oh, sweet savior, I don't want to die. And he runs into this big werewolf, Bob. And the werewolf says... And he's drooling. That's not looking good for uh, for the doctor. No, sir. So we cut back to Cap. He's punching uh, out a guy with his shield. Misshapen though they may be, they failed augments don't tire out any more easily than the successful augments I've been up against lately. It's as pointless to try to outfight them as it is to reason with them. And then Malice screams. That scream. Malice? I've got to get away from these fellows. Now. No one's looking. Here's my chance. And he dives in. And he starts to swim. Black as pitch under here. If I keep low to the ground, maybe they won't see which way I've gone. Ugh. 
The sewage water is disgusting. A minute and a half later. Bob, can you hold your breath and swim for a minute and a half? Uh, not in sewage water. <laughs> I couldn't do it in <laughs> crystal clear water. Cap comes up, takes a big gulp of air. Have I lost them? What in? And and there's uh, another like seven or so mutates, huge mutates in front of them. And they're all like making noise. Aha. I thought these faces looked unfamiliar. It's because the ones I was fighting are still 30 yards behind me. This is a whole different crew. So much for my getaway. Just then, there's this um, big panel of of the, the night shift showing up, Bob. Who's mm-hmm. the night shift? The night shift. On the night shift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was 1987, but it was close. <laughs> Whoa, man. You want to describe these uh, characters? I don't. I don't. I don't, Rick. Come on, Bob. Give me a break. All right. Um, I I don't know who these characters are, Rick. I'm not familiar with The Night Shift. Did you read this story before we covered it, Bob? I did not read this story. (laughs) You're the worst. (laughs) You you are the worst. Oh, my God. (laughs) I like to be surprised, Rick. You just like to show up is what you like to do. Well, that's true. That is true. But uh, I also like to be surprised because it just seems so much more natural. Okay. So we have uh, these different characters. There's the Brothers Grimm for these two costume characters that appear to look the same. Uh, they are wearing the same costume. Um, if you know Dead Man from DC Comics, you know, kind of like a trapeze looking guy with a tall collar behind him, similar to that, but they have kind of like uh, skullish faces with red eyes. Then there's the needle. Needle's wearing a white costume uh, with some, a little bit of purplish gray color arms and feet. And he's carrying a big needle, like he could stab you. Mm. Then there's Moth. Uh, she's a uh, she she she's basically an orange and blue costume with yellow wings, and she uses strands on her victims. Uh, then there's the Tamil Zabalian. He uh, the who? He, yeah, exactly. He's like a. He wears rags and has a cape and a red mask over his uh, over his mouth and nose, and he wears a blue hat and he and he looks like a, a like a homeless person. So the the moth says, "Night shift attack." Cap says, "What in the?" And the brothers grim, "Okay, needle baby, it's time to do the monster mash." Who are these strange looking people? I don't recognize any of them. One thing's for sure, the West Coast Avengers, they're not. And so these Brothers Grimm guys, they 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 float around on little white puffy fl- clouds. And then they have these little magic things they do. So one's throwing a pie and that uh, blackbirds come flying out, hits a pie in the face. Four and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie, an acid meringue pie, that is. Make way for the Humpties, the young masters of egg foo. And the other one's throwing eggs. Grim, can't you do anything without making inane banter? 
What you saying, moth lady? You don't like my bad yolks? Oh, Bob, that's clever. I can't believe I, 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 uh, I've never read Night Shift before. Mm. I don't recall these people at all. Well, these weren't my years, but yeah, I, I, I see now what I've been missing. Next panel, the moth is flying above everybody, and we see it from above her looking down into the sewer. And she's wrapping her tendrils around one. She says, wrap, wrap around in my fabulous fibers. And it's a gratuitous butt shot. And Cap's looking up at her. That flying woman seems to be animating that cable. Can't figure out why these oddballs are fighting the augments. Maybe they're the guardian angels of L.A.'s sewers? These tunnels belong to the Tattermanlian, you squatters. Beanstalk, you listen? Well, they don't seem to care one way or another about me. I'm going to find Malice. Good going, Needle. Needless to say, that's the last of them. <laughs> Needless. <laughs> then the moth stops and she says, the man in blue, he's gone. Didn't you recognize him, Gypsy Baby? That was Captain America. Guess he didn't make the news much in the commie country you're from. The boss didn't say anything about him. Think he'll be mad we let him get away? We were only told to subdue the monsters, brother. And then there's uh, uh, some sort of growl. This is the part you girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Malice could be in, in any one of these dozen passageways. This is the only one I hear sounds coming from. What is it I'm hearing? The growls of a dog? <clears throat> a wolf man. And then this big wolf man comes uh, in to dive at Cap, but he puts his shield up and then he tosses him uh, kind of like over his head as he, he does a little somersault. What's going on around here? A monster convention? From here on, nothing's going to make me raise an eyebrow. Footsteps. And right behind him is more of the crew. And it's the Shroud. Now, the Shroud is an interesting character. He's blind. Um, and, he, and he's wearing an outfit very similar to Batman in the fact that it's all black. And he's got his trunks on the outside of his costume. And he's wearing a black cape. But the difference is he's got like a black hood. And it covers his eyes and his nose in a shadow. Um, I guess probably to show the fact that, you know, he's blind. Um, and then there's Dr. Malice, uh, but he's joined by three other characters. Uh, there's a, a, a lady in all white with um, some sort of black. I don't know what you'd call that, Bob. Uh, some sort of moving I, ropes circling I, I, around yeah i don't know what the hell those are yeah they look like uh what they put around general zod before they sent him up to the uh, phantom zone in the mm -hmm. superman movie you know those sort of spinny wavy things i don't know yeah but it's interesting they're co covering her naughty bits well i hadn't noticed that until you pointed it out but now that you say it yes yes they are <laughs> yes they are <laughs> almost as if she was nude you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. like i almost want to say like he drew her as nude, but the colorist oh. decided 
to instead of doing flesh color, do right. it white. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then there's uh, there's some guy in a magenta suit, uh, heavy set white bald guy wearing glasses, looking at a stopwatch. And then there is a Frankenstein's monster looking character called the Digger because he carries a shovel um, and he has keys on his belt. Uh, I'm thinking he's basically somebody who works at a at a uh, uh, cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the guy in the magenta suit looking at his watch says, you see, Mr. Shroud, Captain America, just as I foresaw. I never doubted you, TikTok, says Shroud. The Shroud and Malice is with him. Who were the others? Stand back. I'll handle him. And TikTok says, I knew he was going to say that. Danson seeds the werewolf. Let darkness reign. And just then, coming out of his costume is this dark cloud that envelops both him and Captain America. Sure frost me when the boss does that. He will not emerge within the next 10 seconds. What's the story here, Shroud? Can't see a thing. Forgive the blackout, Captain. It's pretty soundproof, and I need to speak to you in private. Man. How long has it been since we last spoke? I was in the hospital recovering from an overdose of the Red Skull's nerve gas. When was that, Bob? Uh, was that in uh, Supervillain Team-Up number 12, Rick? I don't know. I believe it was. Okay. I trust yeah. you. Okay. Remember what we talked about that day? How I figured I'd take a new approach to fighting crime once I got back on my feet? Try to pass myself off as a criminal to destroy the underworld from within? Well, that's what I've been up to ever since. The unusual individuals in the night shift are all criminals who I persuaded to help me oppose other criminals. Most of them think we're in business for our own benefit rather than the public good. Nice truck, hmm? What brings you down here? Well, the LA sewers are, are highways and byways. These mutates make transit hazardous. We've apprehended 29 of these poor brutes so far. So what brings you? It's a long story. But if we can get that mousy scientist to talk, we may be able to prevent further dumpings of mutates in the sewers. Getting someone to talk? No problem. I will not permit undue force. The woman, Danson Macabre, employs something far more effective. Say, Captain, if we're going to be working together on this, you're going to have to go along with a little charade so I don't lose my credibility with my troops. Oh, what's that? First, you're going to have to let me appear to beat you in battle. And second, then I have to let Danson perform her devotion dance to bind your will to hers. Look, you'll have to trust me on this. There's no way my gang will work with you otherwise. Don't worry. I'll see it that Danson's dance doesn't affect you. Then Cap thinks to himself, time was when I would have readily trusted him, but he's associated with criminals for so long. How can I be sure he's trustworthy? On the other hand, I may never find the answers I seek without him. What do you want me to do? And soon, the, the cloud uh, lifts, and the shroud's standing there, but Cap is laying down on the ground unconscious. It is done. I have beaten the vaunted Captain America. 
What did I tell you? That was the future I saw in four out of six. Digger, help me with him. Danson, you know what to do. Get ready. He's starting to stir. And then uh, Danson Macabre starts to dance in front of him, wiggling her body. Avert your gazes, boys, lest I bind you too. And then we get a close-up of uh, Cap's eyes. And it looks like his pupils are dilated, but they're not. They're just really, really super dark around, you know, uh, right, right where his irises would be. I can't see a thing. Something dark in front of my eyes. Must be the shroud's darkness. I had no idea he had such fine control of it. Looks like my trust in him was justified. His will is ours. Excellent, Danson. Captain, you are free to act as you always have, except you will obey Danson's and my orders. My first order is that you will never let harm befall any member of the night shift if it is in your power to help it. Understand? Yes. Now, Danson, I have reason to believe that this character has something to do with our derelict problem. Bind him as well. It is done. Who are you, and what do you know about the monsters in the sewers? Name is Carl Malice. Monsters are failed augments. Their bodies rejected the strength augmentation process. When we have no more space to house them, we dump them. That make any sense to you, Captain? Yes. Let me question him. Malice, do you know where the power broker is? Yes. Can you take us to him? Yes. We'll deliver the mutates to the Tower of Shadows first, then pay a call on this power broker. Let's move, people. Can't say I'm very proud of myself. We may have gotten information out of Malice without force, but we had to deny him his free will to do so. One more thing on my conscience. What do you think of that, Bob? Hmm, that's an interesting um, capism, right? I mean, that's... Um... You know, I think, you know, we, we have this debate a lot about uh, Cap's personality and how it's evolved over time. And if you go back to like the, the, to the Golden Age comics, Cap used to torture people to get uh, information out of them. And here we see he, he doesn't even have to torture them, right? But, but he's concerned about just denying them their free will, denying them their ability to resist, and, and to answer questions of their, you know, uh, without duress. I mean, that's quite a leap in that evolution, but, but that's the cap who we love now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really well put, Bob. I, I find it interesting because, you know, we go back to the issue where cap had to uh, go up against ultimatum and it was, we, we saw, and this is again, written by the same writer, Mark Grunewald, we saw Cap, and I'm not even talking about the fact that he had to take a life, right? When he had to pick up a gun and, and kill the terrorists before the terrorists opened fire on, on the civilians. But there was that one scene where he dressed up as one of the ultimatum and to get on the flying skis. And he went behind one of them and knocked them out from behind. And he was feeling guilty for doing that. Right. For mm -hmm. just going up behind him. So Mark Grunewald really does question, um, you know, what is honorable amongst heroes? 
right amongst mm -hmm. uh combatants and uh it's i i i love the fact that cap's questioning himself right yeah certainly for grunwald the the ends do not always justify the means right but that hasn't always been the case in the cap mythos so um it's fun to 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 sort of trace that evolution into and to acknowledge it. Agreed. So getting back to the comic, uh, it is um, a train of cars, and they're not just any cars, Bob. They are black hearses. So apparently, uh, the night shift that's 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 how they roll. They like to drive around in hearses. Had a friend in college who had a hearse. Yeah? Yeah. Drove around in that. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but I, yeah. Yeah. You can get a lot of dates. Really? <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like, if the hearse is rocking, don't come and knock. And <laughs> <laughs> Lots of room to spread out. Yeah. <laughs> Sunrise is still two hours away when three hearses drive up to the gates of an estate somewhere in the San Fernando Valley. This belongs to the power broker Malice? Yes. We'll park here. Proceed on foot. I've been up for the better part of 24 hours. Might have been nice to get some sleep before this raid, but then we'd lose the element of surprise. Cap yawns. TikTok, what's the prognosis? Uh, it's, it's nine out of ten time frames the guard will awaken in ten seconds. Notice our cars and sound the alarm. Grim. One. Needle. Take out the guard. Gotcha, boss. Move. Every second is critical. Hey, no prop. It'll be a snap. And he snaps his fingers, and then there's a star that just appears, and on it is some, like a, uh, what do you call that? Like a trapeze yeah. right yeah. thing? Because they yeah. look like trapeze artists in those costumes, right? And the, and the two of them jump on it and go over the gate. How did he do that? He claims it's magic. Four seconds left. And then they, they land uh, to where uh, the guard booth and the guard looks like he's just waking up and they hit him in the eyes. That's giving him the old eye. Here's the gate opener. Let's go. TikTok. Keep me posted. Trouble in 10 seconds, Shroud. No way to avoid it. Who? How many? Three of them. I, I don't... Odds are that their strength augmented like most of the brokers hired help. Captain America! Who the heck are the others? Let the night shift have these guys, Captain. And they do. The, the night shift starts going into these, these guards that are all augmented. And they fight through... Uh, we're just going to skip all this. Just a little fight. Uh, and then Cap says, keep moving, Malice. But I will point out, uh, one of these uh, augmented guards is fighting on the werewolf. And he's got his hands around the head. And he's like, let's see you do your wolf routine after I pry this mask off your push. But the needle throws his needle through the back of this guy, and it comes out on the other end, Bob. 
It does. It's probably a killing blow, right? It does seem like that would be um, fatal. Yeah. And Cap thinks to himself, the grounds are swimming with these henchmen. Opening the front gate must have set off an alarm. Tick-tock. More men inside. A lot more. I'm ready for them. I have an idea. Join hands. They're in. Nab them before they wreck any of the boss's property. Heaven forbid. Hey, the lights. And so what happens here is the um, shroud creates this big dark cloud and everybody's inside. But of course, nobody can see but the shroud. And so they're all holding hands while they're walking, going climbing up the stairs into the second level of, of the power broker's home. Steady, Malice. Keep climbing. And then they're punching their way through. We're in the clear. Which way, TikTok? I don't know, sir. The man we're looking for is more than 10 seconds away in any direction I can see. Wait, he, he's here. You must be quick. His bed. Allow me. And Cap uses his shield to break through the door. And he sees um, the power broker laying in bed underneath the covers underneath a canopy and he's like ah hey what no not him and he pushes an alarm button on his clock but it isn't just a clock alarm button bob it sinks the whole bed into a secret cavern i love those beds the bed it's sinking into the floor not without me it doesn't stay away we're too late i knew we would be you're beginning to annoy me, Tick. Sorry. So it's just Cap and the power broker down the lower level. The power broker. So we meet at last. W- what are you... Wait a minute. I recognize you. You're Curtis Jackson, formerly of the West Coast Corporation. What's the West Coast Corporation, Bob? You know, it's a cartel of criminal businessmen Cap last encountered in issue 230, Rick. 230? Mm-hmm. That's like a hundred issues ago, Bob. Yeah, that was decades and decades and decades ago. No, it wasn't. Okay. Can you do math, Bob? <laughs> I'd rather not. I'd prefer <laughs> not. That's what I tell my son when he asked me to help him with his math homework. <laughs> I'd prefer not. I want two things from you, Jackson. The first is the whereabouts of my friend, the demolition man. You you must be in Dennis Dumphy, the wrestler. Don't do anything rash. I'll take you to him, I promise. What a setup. His own private subway. Amazing what these crime lords will waste their wealth on. So they get into the little subway car. I'd almost forgotten about you, Jackson. I assumed that you were behind bars for your numerous misdeeds. I have very good lawyers, Captain. You try anything foolish, and I hope you have equally good doctors. So they uh, get to their, at the end of the runway, and they get into the building. It's still a bit early. I doubt my staff is in yet. So far, so good. His past experience with me has intimidated him doing what I say. Hope once I can rescue D-Man, I can pump some real information out of him as easily. It's this way. D-Man and some woman. What are you doing to them? And Bob, they're, they're strapped up. What? Can you describe it? 
Well, there, it's sort of a, it's sort of an X pattern, uh, Rick, you know, it's, uh, I hate to describe it as a, like a crucifixion, but this is sort of one of the ways that the Romans did crucify people. It was a sort of two cross boards shaped like an X. And so they, they're sort of strapped in and there's some, uh, there's some, some wires running to them uh, and they don't look like they're in a good mood. Yeah. And it's actually in the same uh, device that Cap was on that D-Man rescued him from. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me that you don't know. This is your private facility, not one of your commercial power labs. <clears throat> in chamber one, we're trying to determine the maximum amount of augmentation a subject can withstand. In chamber two, we're trying to determine if the augmentation can be reversed. Jackson, you had better hope that these people aren't harmed. Release them both now. I, I can't do that, Captain. The, the, the truth this time. I, I don't know how to. Uh, it's, and he, he uses uh, some sort of pinch and knocks him out. It's probably best I don't let you handle the hardware anyway, Jackson. Now, let's see. This should cut the radiation lamps. Finally, Cap goes into the, to the room where he was looking into before to get to D-Man. Dennis, he's still grimacing in pain. And then all of a sudden, the metal door closes behind him. My word. His physique has been the door. And then there's some sort of um, something happening with the, the wires that you mentioned, Bob, that are in, in his mm-hmm. chest. And all of a sudden he bursts free and he yells. <laughs> D-Man, something's happened. Causing him to bellow in pain. And then we see there are two scientists that have joined where... Uh, uh, Jackson, Mr. Jackson is, and there's a, a a man and a woman, and the man and they're wearing a trench coat and and glasses. Like, I administered the stimulant to Subject D. The captain will not leave the room alive. I'd wager. Good thing we came down here to hide when the alarm went off, eh, Maggie? Stop patting yourself on the back and help me revive Mr. Jackson. And then that scene from the cover, Bob where mm-hmm. D-Man is punching the wall and Cap's ducking. That's what's happening right now. D-Man, Dennis, it's me, Cap. Don't you recognize me? Guess he doesn't. What kind of torture did they put him through since I saw him last? Only eight hours ago. D-Man, look at me. I- I'm your friend. Calm down. He seems more like the Hulk than the easygoing guy I knew. He may just be as strong as a Hulk, too. In these closed quarters, it's all I could do to stay out of the... And then he hits him, but Cap puts his shield up and he goes flying back. His knuckles barely brushed against my shield. Come on, pal. We're buddies. You don't want to hurt me. Rah! He's shredding the lab equipment as as though it was cardboard. That IV tube in him must have been filled with some sort of stimulant. I'm just not penetrating his drug-addled brain. Maybe if I can get him to work it out of the system, metabolize it. Come on, fella. Come and get me if you can. And he's, in, and he's tapping the, the, with his shield on the wall. And he comes at him. D-Man cries are more agonized. His movements wilder, more frenzied. 
he's really suffering. He probably doesn't see me as anything more than a bright moving target. Maybe if I stop moving, he'll. And then the fist comes up to his head. Bob makes a big sound. (laughs) Not one of my better plans. If that hit me, I'd be wallpaper. All I can do is conserve as much energy as I, as I can and stay out of his way and pray he either works the drug out of his system or collapses from exhaustion. The most harrowing half hour of Cap's life later. Wow, 30 minutes, that's a long time, Bob. Mm, it sure is. Something's huh, happening. D-Man's convulsing. His muscles seem to be contracting. D-Man, Dennis, it's me, Captain America. Do you understand? Hurt. Heart feels like a knife in it. It's hard. Then I did the wrong thing to make him overexert. Pain. Hard to breathe. Don't try to talk, Dennis. One thing before I go. As a partner, how was I? You're the best, D-man. And he goes unconscious. Not were, are. You're not checking out on me, man. And he starts to give uh, like a CPR on his chest. Fight it, man. Don't let go. I'm not letting you go. You hear? Not letting you go as he's pumping his chest. Next, the finale. Power broken. That's why it's important, folks, to get your CPR call. That's right. All right, so the next issue, 331, we have on the cover, another another nice Mike Zek cover. It is Cap in a, hey, Bob, you remember that that female that was strapped to the, the device next to, to Dennis? I do, yeah. She's on the cover with Captain America. And um, she's a wearing a, a red costume with some, blue boots and gloves and blue domino mask. She's got long orange hair. And uh, in the two of them are facing uh, this military soldier um, that we see the back of him and he's got a machine gun. Uh, looks like an M16, right? On the right hand mm-hmm. side. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, it looks like a, I don't know. What is that? A, uh, 45 magnum in his left hand uh it looks like maybe a colt 45 it's hard to say i don't well, it looks like a bit like an uzi but whatever yeah small okay. for an uzi but uh and so they're out in some sort of grassy field and they're they cap and this lady are, are looking at him uh and this is issue 331 as i mentioned 75 cents paul neary uh, Captain America still up in the corner box. And the title to this issue is called Soldier, Soldier. Now, uh, the creative team is slightly different on this one, Bob. Uh, still Mark Runewald writing, of course. But uh, we have the return of Paul Neary as the penciler. Uh, anchor is Vince Coletta. And then the return of uh, our friend, Bob Sharon, as the colorist. And letter, Diana Albers and editor, Don Daly. Somewhere in the San Fernando Valley, 50 feet beneath the earth, a battle has ended, a pitched battle waged between friends. 
and we have Cap over top of D-Man. Remember, he was just giving him CPR. D-Man, no pulse. He must have gone into cardiac arrest. Overexertion, the stimulants they pumped into him, the stress of maximum muscle augmentation must have been too much for his heart to take. Hang on, man. We've come too far in the last three days for you to check out on me now. And then, uh, Bob, I'm going to, I'm going to skip this, this next section. Um, because it's, it's essentially a recap, this next page of the last few issues. Right. To kind yeah. of bring us up to speed. So I'm just going to kind of get past that. And then we get to the next page and Cap hears, um, puts his head to his chest and hears a heartbeat. I hear a heartbeat. Can't stop resuscitation yet. Not till he's stabilized. Still don't have the slightest idea how I'm getting us out of this locked vault yet, but somehow I'll, and then the door slides open and there's the shroud. Captain shroud. Thank heavens. Get a physician in here quick. So they cut to, um, some some time has passed to get it cut to a page where uh, D Man is on a some sort of uh, high technology tapes table where a uh, um, gurney, if you will, he's got a mask over his mouth, and um, then we see the the two scientists and and uh, Jackson, Doc, uh, Mr. Jackson, sitting there, and TikTok is standing over them, holding a gun. And then in the foreground, we see Shroud and Captain America sharing stories. I followed you as soon as we could find a way down and overpowered the two scientist types. Undoubtedly, the ones who locked me in the vault with D-Man. Think your people have things under control upstairs? I'm anxious to get my partner to a real medical facility. I can only hope. Everyone working for the power broker, from his bodyguard to his maid, seems to be strength augmented. Still, have one item to attend down here the power broker's other prisoner. TikTok, have one of our captives release the woman. I anticipated your request, sir. Shroud, I just had a glimpse. Look out for the woman. What, TikTok? What's what go Not her. Her! And so it's the woman they just released. Free. Finally free. Must get away. And so she comes up and she leaps up and kicks Malice. She's panicking. Block the exit. No, you'll not hurt me again. Her movements. I could tell she's been augmented. Now, miss, we... She got by me. Didn't want to have to use force. Let me borrow your cape. I'll go after her. Wait. I mean you no harm, ma'am. I'm Captain America. Please, let me help you. Stay back. Stay away from me, you filthy beasts. She's very distraught. How long has she been down here? What kind of abuse has she endured? I'm not one of your tormentors, ma'am. I mean you no harm. Look, I, I'm putting down my weapon. So he puts down his shield. It's not safe for you to go wandering around. We've captured the power broker, but some of his henchmen may still... And then she leaps towards him. She's lunging. Have to let her connect or she'll fall on her face. Well, that's very thoughtful of Captain America. Right, because he's like, well, I need her. I, let, I need to let her connect, or she'll fall on her face. That's that's a, that's a nice guy. 
I don't want to hurt her. She seems to have been hurt enough, but I don't want to get hurt either. And Bob, I got to say, I'm looking at the shield. Uh Uh-huh. That's a very sloppy shield. You mean the in that panel? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that star looks like it was done <laughs> by, you know, somebody in like right. second grade. Okay. All right. That's fair. It's a fair criticism. It is not a five-point star with all even sides. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Now, maybe, hey, listen, maybe Bob was coloring it differently or, or maybe... Maybe it was inked differently. I don't know. But that's a sloppy show. Well, that's a fair criticism, Rick. Uh, you know. So maybe she didn't reaches... think anybody would notice. So she reaches for a shield. And he says, you want my shield? Sure. You could borrow it if it'll make you feel any safer. And then she takes it and she flings, like swings it at him. But he just gets out of way. Whoa. Thought she'd try that. What do I have to to convince you? I don't want to hurt you. Do I look like any of the people who hurt you? Look, I'm going back to the others who helped free you. You could stay here or leave with the rest of us. It's up to you. You look cold. Here, take this. He hands Shroud's cloak. Uh, uh, I'll I'll rest assured, ma'am, that I'll see to it that your captors are brought to justice. And then he walks away from her. So he comes back to Dumphy, who's laying on the gurney. How's he doing? He could suffer another heart attack at any time. The over-augmentation he underwent puts him at great risk. Then you must somehow reverse the process, Malice. That's tricky. It's, it's what the chamber the girl was put in was designed for. But we have no idea how well it works. The girl still seems to be augmented, for instance. It's our best hope. We'll have to chance it. D-Man, it's me. Don't try to talk. We're going to try something to take the strain off your heart. It's risky, though. So if you don't, I trust you. And Cap thinks to himself, sometimes I wish I didn't instill so much confidence in others. And he says to the scientist, if something goes wrong, you're going to wish you'd never studied medicine. No. Now, Rick, is it me or is 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 Carl Malice drawn completely differently here? Well, he's got sunglasses on instead of regular glasses. That's what I noticed. Right. And isn't his is his hair a different color too? Wasn't it like No, it was black before. It was? Yeah, but it might be a little huh. Yeah. You know, I think he was a little shaggier in the back. That's he missing. looks way cooler now. Yeah. Well, yes. you know, sunglasses. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Vital signs still stable. Raise the augmentation to three. Raising, Dr. Lund. Hang on, D-Man. You can tough it out. And then TikTok looks at his clock. Excuse me, but in eight out of ten time frames, the power broker will regain consciousness in nine seconds. Thanks. So Cap stands in front of uh, the power broker. Mr. Jackson, and he, as he's waking up, that's the first thing he sees. It's all over for you now, mister. You have a lot of things to answer for. 
your abduction and the captivity of D-Man and the woman, the addictive drug you administered to your clients, creating a public menace by dumping your failed augments into the sewers, and who knows what else. You may have squirmed out of the fall of the corporation, but you're not getting away this time. You threatening me, pal? No threats, just facts. And he looks at his wristwatch. Big shot blowhard. He'll be laughing out the other side of his mask when the ace in the hole shows up at eight o'clock. At that moment, three time zones earlier in Washington, D.C. It's been two days now, gentlemen. How is it that you have yet to complete your assignment? And look, it's uh, the Blues Brothers, Bob. Jake and Elwood, they're back. And they're in front of the commission. Sir, we've contacted and left word with the Avengers, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Falcon, and the subject's computer hotline, but we still haven't heard a word from them. Captain America must not be allowed to operate in this haphazard manner any longer. Investigate other avenues if you must, gentlemen, but we want the captain standing before the commission as soon as possible. An hour later, in California, they're standing over D-Man, the scientist. We dare not deaugment him any further, or his heart muscles may be affected. He seems to have stabilized at the strength level we had attained prior to your radical treatment. And then the shroud jumps in. Captain, the night shift has indeed secured the entire estate. How's your friend? They're bringing him out of the treatment room now. And then TikTok says to Dr. Jackson or Mr. Jackson, in one out of ten time frames, sir. You lunge at me, and I shoot you through the heart, and none of them do you succeed in disarming me. Well, how is he? Stable, but still unconscious. All right, let's move him to the elevator. So, um, and by the way, I haven't mentioned, but in the panels, uh, that redheaded lady is walking with Cap. The sooner I can get D-Man to a real hospital, the better I'll feel. The woman probably needs to be medically examined as well. In 10 out of 10 time frames, nothing interesting happens in the next 10 seconds. Just report what's vital, TikTok. <laughs> and so TikTok gets on a phone. Yes, I'd like an ambulance sent to Tupelo Drive. Sit down and don't move until we tell you to. Captain, if you can handle it from here, I'd best be going. The police should be here soon. And some of my men are wanted for questioning. I understand. And then Mr. Jackson speaks up. Am I dreaming? Captain America in cahoots with criminals? Why aren't you seeing to it that they are brought to justice too, flagman? Don't talk to me of the law, Jackson. There's not a man or woman on your entire estate as flagrant a violator of the law as you. Don't worry, power broker. You haven't seen the last of me. I'll be by tonight with all of the men your augmentation process turned into monsters. Unless you enjoy house guests, you better hope your de-augmenting machine does something for them. Goodbye, Captain. It was unusual working with you. Same here. Take care. And thanks. Keep an eye on them, will you, ma'am? So he, he asks the, the redhead lady to keep an eye on the four captives i guess you could say sitting on the couch i hate to admit it but jackson's point is valid i don't know for certain if there are any outstanding warrants for the arrest of any of these night shift 
But if I have any reason to suspect there are, it's my duty to detain them for the authorities as much as anyone else is here. And yet honor demands that I not betray an ally. Wonder if anyone realizes how hard it is figuring out what the right thing is, not to mention doing it. I love the fact that Captain America questions himself, Bob. Well, it does. It does suggest humility, right? Which is one of those uh, traits that I think, you know, we hold up there as, as essential to Captain America's core personality, humility, you know, questioning oneself, uh, not always assuming that you know what's best. Yeah, yep. I think that's important. It is. It's one of the eight attributes we have on our What Would Cap Do Challenge coin. Uh, humility is right up there. Um, and that, you know, goes along with when he he said, gosh, I, I wish I didn't instill so much confidence in people because he wanted D-Man to make a choice. But D-Man's like, I trust you, Cap, you do it. So then he says to the redhead, you must be hungry, ma'am. Why don't you see if you can find something to eat? Our host won't mind. So Jackson says, so, Mr. Fast and Loose with the Law, do you really think you're going to be able to pen anything on me and make it stick? Let me tell you all the poop I've got on you. One, breaking and entering. Two, consorting with known criminals. Three, unlawful trespass on private property. Four, assault and battery on my person and probable injury of my groundsman. Five, property damage. Shall I go on? Tell you what, Cap, you can take your pal and gal and blow and we'll call it even not a chance and then there's a sound outside bob what's that sound mean sounds like a helicopter is that how they send an ambulance in these parts now what's happening to my beautiful estate that's curious there's an army insignia on that chopper tiktok called an ambulance and the police who called the army so he goes out, uh, he, he says to the four people on his captives sitting on the couch, okay, all of you up, we're going outside. Really, Cap, I, I'm not dressed for company. And then as they, the, he escorts the four of them outside, Captain America thinks to himself, there's a whole platoon of soldiers here. And then the the... The, the leader of the platoon, come. he's thinking to himself, Captain America, this is a surprise. Troops, await my command. Hucky Smoke, is that really him? Wonder if he's as hot as they say. He's got to be. Think of how he rescued those hostages. Lieutenant Michael Lynch, acting commander of Special Task Force 17. You have some identification? Here's my Avengers ID. Might I ask your business is with these civilians, sir? Curtis Jackson, head of Power Broker, Inc., has been strength augmenting men who have become soldiers for hire, fighting against U.S. interests abroad. We've been amassing evidence again for the past six months. Men, see to Jackson. Something about this isn't right. The military moving against a civilian like this? Granted, Jackson has heavy-duty hired help, necessitating a show of force but still just then the red-headed lady she comes to the doorway and she points 
at the commander. You, Michael, it was you who set me up, betrayed me. What in her? I, I thought the broker would have taken care of her by now. Subdue that woman. Don't let her get me. Oh, and no guns. She's dangerous, unstable. And there's like five soldiers that go and jump on top of her. What in blazes are you doing, man? Order your men back now. Uh, you don't know Miss Marvel like I do, Captain. This is insane. No matter what she's done, that's no way to treat a person as abused as she seemed to have been. And, and what about her accusation all about? Captain, what are you? So he just joins and he grabs the five soldiers, starts throwing them off the pile. Back off, boys. I don't want to hurt you. Miss Marvel, are you all right? What? You? Yes. What's going on around here? Who is the lieutenant? What did he? And then Jackson yells, hey, you dog faces. No shooting up my property. You hear? Captain, back away from her at once. This area is under martial law. Put those guns away. That man, the lieutenant, he's in league with the power broker. That, and then the, the commander's like, that blam fool. If the Avenger hasn't already figured out, we're not here to take the broker into custody. This clinches it. So Cap grabs Miss Marvel, as she's now called. Come on, ma'am. We've got to go somewhere quieter to talk. D-Man is still inside. I've got to see to his safety as well. Come along, Jackson. We may need you. So he grabs Jackson and Miss Marvel, and the three of them run back into the headquarters. We haven't much time, Miss. Please tell me everything you can. So we get a little um, backstory here, Bob. So she's not a brand new character. She's been around for a little bit. She's been involved with uh, Ben Grimm, the thing. Uh, Okay. I met Lieutenant Lynch the same day I went to the power broker to undergo augmentation. Michael, Lieutenant Lynch, helped me fight off some muggers who jumped me. I was in a bit of a daze. Never even thought to ask him what he was doing a block away from the brokers. Later that day, when the broker sent muscle after me because I refused to finish his treatment, Michael showed up again, helped the thing and me escape. Which all this happened in thing issue number 35. Though Michael begged me not to, I spent the next few months trying to track down the power broker's new base of operations. When I got close, I... I set up a meeting with Michael to tell him about it. I was ambushed by 10 of the broker's men, too many of them to fight off. They beat me. Next thing I knew, I was in the lab downstairs. I have no idea how long I've been there. Feels like months. From what I overheard, the power broker's been involved in some secret project with the military. Lieutenant Lynch has been with him from the start. Miss Marvel, you stay here and guard the broker and my friend. Let me attend to the U.S. Army. Okay, Lieutenant, it's time you and I had a talk. Good. He's coming out. Now we'll be able to watch your first field maneuver. G.I. Max, neutralize Captain America. So who's G.I. Max, Bob? Wow, that guy's big, Rick. Some would say augmented. He looks a lot like I did back back in the day. <laughs> you were green too? Oh yeah, mean and green. I couldn't even get sleeves to fit him. 
He is a big guy. Yeah. And he's carrying an M16. And attached to the M16 is a very long dagger. The bayonet, right? Okay? Bayonet. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to get technical on me, Bob, mm-hmm. like you've been there, done that. Yeah. He's got a helmet. I don't, I think that's, that's, that's cool. That's cool. He's wearing a helmet. Safety first. Yeah. Got to have safety first. So he's coming at him and Cap puts his shield up and then he's in a stance, protective stance, defensive stance. GI Max, who's he supposed to be? That military project Miss Marvel spoke of? Big fellow, over seven feet tall, dollars to donuts. He is augmented. And so uh, GI Max uses the, the butt of his M16 to hit cap but he puts his shield up to protect himself and it makes a sound bob oh ka-ting! get him man show him what a real super soldier can do fast but i could tell he's either very new to combat or he hasn't mastered fighting and at augmented strength yet i don't suppose it would do me any good to tell him that his commanding officer has thrown in with a slime ball no a good soldier is trained to follow orders without question and this man looks like one heck of a good soldier. Then the first thing to do is to get that pig sticker out of his hand, and I'll aim for his throat. No good. I didn't put enough muscle behind my lunch. This is the second time I've scrapped with an American soldier in recent months. Mere coincidence? What was the first time, Bob? Uh, would that been uh, would that have been Duke? Nuke. Nuke. You know, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to go down a hole here, uh-huh. uh huh. but I, I'm sorry. I'm just a little distracted because I'm a little, I, I'm a little aggravated at Mark Grunewald. And it's that comment by Cap that the, a good soldier is trained to follow orders without question. Now that's a, that's a, that's a popular myth that, um, at least in the Marine Corps, that I uh, that it just it's a bee in my bonnet a little bit. I think, of course, that I think that's what perhaps people who haven't been in the military, who haven't spent long in the military, that's their perception. And that wouldn't surprise me. If, you know, Mark Greenwald had that perception when he when he wrote this. But and take a pause here. I just want to point out to our listeners who don't know, Bob was a 25 year uh, veteran of the uh, the Marines. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's yeah. You know, I don't know. When I when I hear things like that, it does it does aggravate. I, I do have this sort of reflexive annoyance. I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's Cap. Uh, that's when I think about what Cap would say in that moment. That is not Cap to me, because Cap would have served, you know, with with soldiers who had to uh, disobey orders when orders were. You know, illegal, immoral. So, do you ever disobey an order, Bob? Um, is this being recorded? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will tell you, I told my boss at the time that I would disobey an order if it came down. And this was during the whole post 9 11 uh, rendition, you know, when the CIA was uh, sort of scooping up terror suspects around the world and, and bringing them to black prisons, right. To, uh, mm-hmm. to interrogate them. 
Uh, and this was happening in countries around the world and, and military personnel assigned to embassies uh, were sort of caught up in this. And I made it very clear to my boss that if, if we were asked to do that, that I wanted nothing to do with it and I wouldn't be a party to it, regardless of, of what the outcome would be. Well, that's very respectful and honorable. I mean, how did your, your boss, your CEO, I'm assuming, how did he react to that? He said, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. You know, unfortunately, we never, we never crossed, we never had to cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think, uh, I think if anybody would, would understand sort of the, the calls that soldiers, Marine, airmen, sailors have to make uh, in the moment. And that, in fact, there will be people like William Cowley, but there'll also be people like you, Thompson, who recognize the immorality and, uh, and step up. Um, so anyway, I digress. No, it's good to hear. That's that's the kind of insight you're here for, Bob. Thank you. So, Cap, uh, again, a similar move as to before with D-Man. He takes um, a lunging, uh, augmented, huge person, and he flips him over him in a kind of like a somersault. And he thinks to himself, or does Max here, with any connection with Nuke, that crazed person, pill-popping killer who turned mid-Manhattan into a war zone. I've discovered that Nuke was the last recipient of the military's latest attempt to recreate the super soldier formula that gave me my fighting itch. Maybe the military has finally given up on the old super soldier serum and invested its research money in the power broker's strength augmentation process instead. Got to admit, they could get a man with my fighting ability and his phenomenal strength they truly have a super soldier. My hardest blow straight to his jaw, and he's still not down for the count. This is one tough customer. Soon as I wrap this case up, I'm going straight to the Defense Department to report this Lieutenant Lynch. Lynch's deal with the power broker can't be authorized by the top brass. Can it? But what, what if it is? General Hayworth, the man I learned was Nuke's commanding officer, he had the Pentagon's authority to revive the Super Soldiers Project. What if Lieutenant Lynch is working under him? If Lynch's activities are fully sanctioned and the Pentagon is that eager to enlist Super Soldiers, then my opposition to GI Max here is going to put me in some hot water that I've been in years. They might even try to nail me for treason. Still, working hand-in-hand -hand with Jackson is unconscionable, and I must oppose it. So during this whole inner monologue, Cap and G.I. Max have been fighting each other and going blow to blow. Max, come on. You can't give in to that costume clown. I've got to help Max win. If the Avenger beats him, Project Augment is going to lose a lot of credibility and my career will be shot. So he pulls out a gun. Hold him still a moment, Max. I'll equalize the odds for you. And he fires two shots and they hit the shield uh, as cap puts that up but there's a ricochet bob and it goes right to max's throat max has been hit lynch you fool look what you've done oh for cripe's sake i can't believe it that does it now i've got to kill cap and hope none of these soldiers contradicts my version of what happened but Cap throws his shield and knocks out Lynch. 
Lord, it looks bad. Tore through his jugular. Got to stop the bleeding. And pray he holds on till the ambulance we call before gets here. But, no good. He's gone. Rest in peace, soldier. Lynch, get your tail over here. And then they cut to an epilogue, Bob. This is unlike anything I've ever seen in a Captain America comic book, let alone a Mark Grunewald story. Mm -hmm. So they have to basically do this epilogue to, um, to catch up to what they need, where they need to be for the next story. Because the next story is pretty big. And they have faces of each character and the little thing underneath. G.I. Max. Pronounced dead on arrival at Los Angeles County Trauma Center two hours later. The U.S. Army disavowed any knowledge of his actions. Lieutenant Michael Lynch. Reprimanded by his commanding officer for bungling a covert operation and has been reassigned to administrative work. Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. the power broker. Taken into custody by the Los Angeles Police Department and has been released on $1 million bail. Pending trial, he remains in the augmentation business. Dennis Thumphy, a.k.a. D-Man, admitted to the Los Angeles County Trauma Center and is listed in stable condition. He is contemplating whether to resume his wrestling career. The soldiers of Task Force 17, all volunteers for Project Augment, have been notified that the project has been put on indefinite hold. Miss Marvel re- resisted capture by the Army and held D-Man and the power broker until the paramedics and police arrived. She is currently traveling east with Captain America. The Shroud brought the failed augments to the power broker's estate for treatment as he vowed. The augments have caused $10 million in property damage so far. The Shroud remains at large. Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, delivered the power broker to the authorities and pressed charges against him. He is currently in transit to Washington, D.C. to take the matter of the Army's involvement with a known criminal to the Pentagon. He is unaware of the men in Washington who have been trying to contact him for the past four days. But that will soon change. Next, the end of Captain America as we know him. Rick, you ever play Duke Nukem? Nope. Uh, you familiar with that video game? Yeah, I am. I wonder. I mean, I, I, I always, uh, when I think of uh, Nuke, I call him Duke because I think of Duke Nukem. Mm. Uh, they're very similar in appearance. I don't know if you ever noticed that. And I wonder if, um, well, I wonder if there was any shenanigans in the design. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It came out in 91. You know, the first Duke Nukem game. You do say. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, let's get to the last issue here, Bob. All right. It's issue 332. This is a uh, an amazing cover um, that is by Mike Zeck, but it's inked by Claus Johnson. And it is Captain America standing in front of a flag that's on a wall. And it's the traditional blue background with white stars and then a a top and then 
underneath are the red and white stripes. But what's amazing about this is that the red is dripping and then hits the ground on where Cap's standing. And then the red continues a stream to continue the red and white stripes. So it's a very bloody looking flag. Captain America is standing there with his hands empty, his shoulders hunched, his head down. And where the, the top logo where it says Captain America, you know, it's just as big as Captain America is Captain America no more exclamation point. So it's, um, it's a really heavy cover. And then in, in the corner box, Bob, they changed the corner box logo where it has been Paul Neary's Captain America running. Instead, it's a portrait of Abraham Lincoln. And it's not just that, Bob. Mm -hmm. There's a tear coming down Abraham Lincoln's face. And he is obviously very much um, upset over the fact of what's happening on this cover. It's a very, it's a very stunning cover. It is evocative. I mean, it is, is it the only time this has ever occurred in a Marvel comic book, Rick, do you know? that a president's face has been used uh, um, in, a, I don't in, know. A, in a corner box. I mean, I know it's been featured. Uh, presidents have been featured on the cover. I, I don't know if any of them have been crying. Uh, well, certainly, probably not. Yeah. yeah. And this is the only Captain America comic that has this corner box logo. Yeah. And it's an interesting choice. I mean, not, not Washington, but Lincoln. It's a good point. You know, why do you think that is? Um, I'd hate to hazard a guess. I mean, I, I don't know what, uh, what the thinking was. Um, I don't know. So uh, a couple of years ago, Bob, I had the opportunity. Uh, Mike Zek has, as you know, um, is my favorite Captain America artist. Um, he was doing a, a signing or um, a remark uh, for uh, a particular company and um, you could mail in your comic and, and uh, they would, you know, uh, do, do the signature. And if, if you paid more, you, you can get a remark for those who don't know, a remark is a, a small little sketch, usually just a headshot. Right. And I was like, well, I love Mike Zach. I, I have to take advantage of this opportunity. What cover should I do? And I picked this cover um partly because it's such a stunning cover that he did the other part was because there's some white space mm -hmm. right um so i i did pick this cover and i asked to have a captain america with his mask off and it was noticeable that his mask was off so you could see it like behind him and him looking down, um, you know, in a very solemn look. Mm -hmm. That's a very specific request. It is, yeah. 
and when and there's a there's a third party who's handling this and i sent this to him and he's like uh we'll see what we can do right now i don't know if it's because mike liked the request or if mike's just he was in a good mood that day or or maybe he recognized my name because i've asked him to do some things in the past and of the captain america comic book fans facebook group he's part of i don't know but he nailed it bob there's a he not only did a sketch of steve rogers with his mask down behind him in a very solemn look but he also did the the white star on the mm-hmm. chest so it was more than just a face it was kind of almost like a torso you know like a bus shot and it's beautiful and of course you know i you know Uh, It was graded and it was, you know, 9.6, whatever. And I have it hanging on the wall here. Um, So that's just my little side note, my little story behind, you know, my personal story behind this cover. That's good. Well, if you, if you have the opportunity to interact with them again, anytime soon, please ask him why Lincoln. Well, he didn't do the the corner box. Oh, he didn't. Who did the corner box? Um, I have to yeah. check on that. I'm not sure who did the corner box. I wondered who did that. I just um, assumed it was it, him it, it might have been the interior artist, which was Tom Morgan. Because mm-hmm. Tom did do a couple different corner boxes. Well, it does say TM. Right? I just thought that, well, that would be trademark. trademark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thought it might have been Tom Morgan. Uh, yeah. No. Trademark Lincoln? I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, Tom Morgan's back for this. He's penciling. Yeah. Uh, inking is Bob McLeod. Colorist is Ken Vadunowitz. Letterer, Diana Albers. Editor, Don Daly. And this had a cover date of August 1987, which means it probably came out in about June of 1987. And this title is called The Choice. 6.05 a.m., Washington, D.C., and we have uh, a guy parachuting onto the Washington Monument, and it's he's wearing uh, like all dark clothes. He's got um, belts over him, and he's got like a, a bullet uh, bolero belt and a backpack, and he's he's landing on top of the Washington Monument, and he says, "Winds picked up." Overshooting my mark. Got to pull right. I could still make it. Just a few more feet. I'm doing it. Come on, baby. Yeah. Touchdown. And he, and he grabs hold of it. And he's got some sort of like magnetic uh, device to, to suction himself. Whoa. Wind nearly blew me off. Got to detach my chute. Quick. Ugh, just secure it with a clamp there. Now to get out of my folding platform. And what's his uh, parachute? He's is, is, is got a white parachute with red letters on it, Bob. What, what did he write on it? I believe it says, make war some more. Warhead. So this character's name is Warhead. Steady man. You drop it and it's going to be mighty uncomfortable sitting up there. Hee-haw! I made it. I'm on top of the world, Ma. Washington Warhead has landed. 6.18 a.m. And there's uh, a couple of police officers in a police car in there. Holy Joe, Fred, tell me you see what I see. I see it, all right. Somebody hung a sign on the... Wait a minute. 
Do I see somebody up on top of it? And he pulls out the the walk uh, the uh, CB. This is Unit Fifty Four. We've got a flagpole sitter atop the Washington Mine. Possible jumper. Request backup. Take it easy, and then we're back to Warhead, who's on top. And, there, and by the way, there's a lot of winds flowing up there. Take it easy, man. The hardest part's done. From here on, it's a cinch. Let's see. Megaphone, canteens, rations, pistol. Hey, my rations. Blasted wind snatched them. Now I got no chow. Ah, who gives a rip? Real men don't eat what my mom packed anyway. Hey, Fred. He dropped or, or threw something. Something wrapped in plastic. And the guy, the police officer gets out his uh, bullhorn. Hey, you, what do you think you're doing up there? I'm helping the arms race, pig, with my very own thermonuclear device. 7.45 a.m. at the Pentagon. I'm not certain what time the Pentagon opens for business, but there's one sure way to find out. Locked. So it's Captain America going up to the door of the Pentagon. I'll wait. Someone is certain to show up sooner or later. 8.07 a.m. And he's going through the security detail. The medal you're reading is in my chainmail shirt. Yeah. Avengers ID number 839-55-819A. Captain America. Right. 8.16 a.m. I'll see if General Wexler can see you now. 8.17 a.m. And then there's General Wexler. He's a, oh, much, I, I would say this guy is looking like a 70-year-old white man, receding hairline, white mustache. Every general you've ever seen. Yes, pretty much. Captain America, good to see you, old boy. Sorry about the security check. Anyone could be wearing that costume, you know. I understand, sir. Sit down, sit down. I'm here, sir, because of something that occurred two days ago in California. I had, run, I had a run-in with Lieutenant Michael Lynch of an outfit he called Division N. With, with Lynch was his protege, G.I. Max. Since you, sir, are Commander-in-Chief of Human Resources Research, I can only assume that you know about Lieutenant Lynch's project to create a new breed of super soldier. Go on. Far be it from me to tell the military what to do with and whom to do it with, but if the lieutenant's activities were officially sanctioned by this office, I wish to voice a citizen's protest. Dealing with Curtis Jackson, alias the power broker, in order to acquire superhuman soldiers is reprehensible in light of Jackson's criminal record. I cannot comment upon whether Lynch's activities were sanctioned by the department, but I assure you I will look into the matter. If you permit me an observation, Captain, it seems to me you're a bit sensitive about the subject of super soldiers. Cap didn't like the that comment. No, he has a bit of a stern, sour look on his face there. Well, I have a meeting to attend. Sorry I can't chat with you longer, old boy. And then the two FBI agents, Farber and McNulty, come in. Captain, we've been trying to get a hold of you for almost a week now. Oh? I mean, you didn't get any of our... I've been involved in a case, incommunicado. What is it your department wants to see me about? We don't know. Our job's just to fetch you. So we cut back to the Washington Mommy, and it's 9.20 a.m. 
who is he? That's that human fly guy. And the police officer says, hold on. A helicopter is on his way to get you down. Mommy, what does sign mean? Make worse and more. What you think, officer? Another crazed nom vet trying to get a movie on the week made out of him? So Warhead doesn't like this, and he's at the very top. No helicopters. I'm armed and dangerous. Any attempt to subdue me, and I'll open fire on the crowd. And he fires his machine gun up in the air. Get down. He's shooting. Let me out of here. Nut thinks he's Rambo. So, Bob, who's Rambo? Don Rambo. He's your worst nightmare, Rick. Oh, really? Why is that? Yeah. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll wait for you to draw first blood, but like he will come after you like nobody's business. Unless Colonel Troutman steps in, calls him off. How would you describe Rambo? Well, uh, you know, I would describe Rambo as uh, probably the worst caricature of a Vietnam uh, vet that has ever been turned into a movie. Now, mind you, I love those movies. I love Sylvester Stallone, love those movies, but uh, just the whole sort of uh, mythos of the crazed Vietnam vet who, who can't get past the war and uh, has these violent outbursts. That's what the, the sort of the, at least first blood, the original first blood uh, up in, what was it? Washington state, you know, it gets picked on by the police snaps, you know, flees. The police are trying to get him, And then he starts picking off the police one at a time up in the mountains. Right. Um, it's a, it's a classic movie. No doubt about it. A classic Sylvester Stallone, but you know, problematic. Yeah. So, but extremely popular. Oh yeah. And so I recall hearing, you know, various like interviews or listening or reading various interviews with Mark Grunewald at the time. And that was part of his reason for doing this story mm-hmm. about John Walker, because there were a lot of readers that were writing in and stating that they, why can't Captain America be more like Rambo? Right. He was, he was more of a boy scout. He was, he was a goody two shoe. He, he didn't really fit what was popular at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, we, I had, I had an opportunity to talk with, with um, Mark Grunewald's uh, wife, Catherine Schuler Grunewald. Um, and she talked about this. She talked about what Mark was going through at this time. He was a huge Captain America fan and what he was going through at this time with, um, with John Rambo's popularity. Uh, and so if you have a chance, go listen to episode 11, uh, where we interview uh, Mark's wife, Catherine Schuler Grunewald. Um, but yeah, yeah, Rambo was a big deal. And, um, and certainly. Well, a pop culture phenomenon for sure. Yeah. 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 And, and certainly something that, that Mark had to, to overcome, you know, and that's part of the impetus behind the John Walker storyline. So now Steve's in front of uh, the commission. 10.02 AM. Ah, if it isn't the elusive Captain America. Who are these people? 
That's the president's seal behind them. Wait, I recognize General Halston in the heads of the CIA and FBI. The way this room is set up, it's like something out of the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> our, chief, our chief elements are surprised. <laughs> I just knew you were going to pull that one out. <laughs> and our fanatical devotion to the Pope. Uh, well played. Captain, we are the commission a specially appointed task force operating under the direct command of the president. Our specific purview is this nation's special operatives, namely those who the media have dubbed super people. We were the ones who instigated the formation of the Freedom Force team when your Avengers proved less than cooperative. The Freedom Force. The Avengers had a run with those dishonorable ex-convicts. So what he's referring to is... Um, Back in Avengers Annual Number Fifteen, um, it was the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants basically were kind of pardoned if they became the the Freedom Force and worked under the government's rules. Recently, the Commission has been evaluating you, Captain America's first special operative. This is what we found: one, the U.S. government totally financed Project Rebirth. The program designed to develop an army of American super soldiers back in 1941. Two, you, Stephen M. Rogers, volunteered to undergo the super soldier experiment and signed a contract stipulating you'd serve your country in an official capacity until the president relieves you of duty. If you care to examine the documents, no need. Three. When Project Rebirth was discontinued upon the death of its principal scientist, you were the sole recipient of the treatment. According to official documents from the FDR administration, the concept of use, using you as a symbol of fighting America uh, originated in the president's office, perhaps with President Roosevelt himself. Four, you verbally agreed to serve your country as its, shall we say, official mascot, this agreement modifying, but not negating, your previous written commitments. Is this leading to what I think it's leading to? Five, the uniform you now wear was designed and constructed by the employees of federal government. Six, that shield you carry was designed and constructed by employees of the federal government as well. Seven, the very name, Captain America, was a creation of some long-forgotten person on the federal payroll. Eight, you disappeared on May 2nd, 1945, but were never officially declared dead, nor discharged from your duty. Hence, all of the terms you agreed to when you volunteered for Project Rebirth are still legally binding. The bottom line is, we want you to work for us, again, as per terms of your contract. But since my revival, I, I've been serving my country according to that agreement with the Avengers, with S.H.I.E.L.D., and, and, and on my own. My record of public service is well documented with, you failed to make an important distinction, Rogers. You are not Captain Avenger, Captain S.H.I.E.L.D., or Captain Solo. You are Captain America. 
your service to those independent agencies, regardless of the nature of your activities, does not constitute an acceptable alternative to fulfillment of your tour of duty to your country. Why? After, after these years, are you just now getting around to informing me of this? The commission cannot be held accountable for the oversights of previous administrations, Rogers. We can only rectify matters as of now. To do so, you will resume your official position as America's super soldier and have all of your activities coordinated and assigned by this office. But I've been acting autonomously for years now, and what happens if I don't accept your terms? What do you mean? You, you don't have a choice. Of course I do. This is a free country. A free country governed by laws. You legally agree to these terms. They remain binding if you tell him about his tax returns. I have it here. Uh, <clears throat> it's come to our attention that you were recently the recipient of almost a million dollars of the taxpayer's money, owing to the fact that you were not officially declared dead when you disappeared in 1945. It should be obvious to you that since you were not actively serving in any official capacity, you were issued that money erroneously. I spent almost every cent of that money creating my national computer hotline. What are you saying is I must return the money? Not at all. When you return to work with us, you will get to our money's worth from you. And if I don't return to work, I'll have to forfeit the money? Yes, uh, the money, your uniform, your shield, and the very name of Captain America, as we said, are rightfully ours. But why speak of the absurd? What reason could you possibly have to disobey a presidential mandate? Have you not pledged yourself to the service of your country? We are America, Rogers. We are your commanding officers. It had not even crossed our minds that you wouldn't have a difficulty obeying our directive. I'm just used to operating with relative autonomy, sir. I, 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 could I have a time to think before I give you my answer? Well, all right. You can have 24 hours. Let me make one last thing clear, Rogers. America needs a popular high-profile mascot and operative. If you will not be that man, have no doubt we will find someone else to be Captain America. That's pretty heavy, Bob. That is heavy. That's a, it's a lot to put on you and give you 24 hours for crying out loud. So we cut to John Walker, the super patriot. And he's in a, an apartment um, and he's doing push-ups. Always wearing his white boxer briefs, Bob, by the way. This is what I've been doing, Rick, to try to lose weight. Maybe that's what's the problem. Maybe I'm putting on too much muscle mass. Yeah, that's totally got to be it. Are you doing push-ups on your index finger like like he is no absolutely oh nice i'm on the couch when i'm doing it but yeah Uh uh-huh 10 42 a.m atlanta georgia we interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin and then sitting on the couch watching the tv and his client is uh this agent uh wearing a suit oh man i hate it when they interrupt wheel of fortune and John Walker's counting his push-ups, Bob. Are you up to 507 push-ups? 
Well, I use those three numbers, five, zero, and seven. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're all involved. Uh-huh. The TV says, an unidentified gunman has somehow perched atop the Washington Monument has opened fire twice on the crowd below. Now we take you to Katie Harmon on the scene in Washington. Police are baffled as to how the self-styled warhead got atop the 550-foot 555-foot structure on what he's planning to do. Johnny Boy, are you catching this? What an incredible opportunity for us. The monument is so symbolic. If you were to find a way to get that Looney Tune Super, it'd make the national news. The name Super Patriot would be on everybody's lips. What about my rally tonight, Ethan? Can it? This one stunt is worth 20 rallies. Get dressed. I'll cancel the rally and book us a flight to D.C. 10.51 a.m. There's somebody looking at Warhead on the top. What's he look like, Jer? He's armed to the teeth, and he's tinkering with what looks like one heck of a time bomb. He's these two people in a police helicopter. This is Mobile 717. We've got the perpetrator in sight. He seems to have a caseload of explosives. What's our next move? Over. Hey, a chopper. Didn't I warn him about them? Get that chopper away from me. If it comes any closer, say goodbye to the monument. Think I'm kidding, huh? He pulls out a grenade from his belt, Bob. And pulling the tab from the grenade with his teeth in a very dramatic way, he then tosses the grenade out into the, uh, into the air and explodes halfway down. Thank God. And it makes a big, big noise. All right. It hightailed out of here. Now I can get back to work. Blast. Starting to sprinkle. 11.19 a.m. Cap's getting out of a taxi. Sure this is where you want to stay, Cap? I'm on a budget. You too? 11.24 a.m. Cap's in a in a hotel room, and he tosses his shield on the bed. Guess he's still in Washington, D.C. Feels like I should talk to somebody. Never before I've had such a rough time making a clear decision. Who's the first person he thinks of? Bernie. Hello, Steve? Of course I know who you are. Bernie's old beau. Nope. Sorry. She's in class right now. Can I take a message? Suit yourself. Should have guessed she'd be out at this time of day. Usually the only time I get hold of her is on Sunday nights. I wish I could reach Jack, but a nomad has no permanent address. I've got other partners' confidence. Someone's bound to be home. Sam Wilson, maybe? Let me see Sam sitting in his office. So that's what the feds were wanted you for? Sounds to me like you're not given much of choice. If you want to play ball, you got to play by their rules. If they ask you to do something you can't stomach, you can always bail out then. And then we cut the shield. I'm sorry, Mr. Rogers. Colonel Fury is out of the country at the moment. May I take a message? Dennis Dunphy. So we catch, cut to D-Man. He's, he's recovering in a hospital bed. Hey, good to hear from you, C.A. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Should be out in a few days. 
what's that? Whew, that's pretty heavy. I haven't been in the business long enough to give anyone advice. Look, I'm sure that whatever you decide will be the right thing. And then we get to an answer machine at the inventor's mansion. Hiya, you've reached the private line of Hawkeye, the marksman. I can't come to the phone right now because I'm out saving the world. But if you leave your name, Captain Marvel. So he gets he gets a hold of Captain Marvel. Uh, what, what's her name again, Bob? Monica Rambo, isn't it? Yeah, Monica Rambo. Don't know, but something seems fishy about it. Think it has anything to do with the NC, NSC's refusal to reinstate the Avengers security clearance? Uh, NSC, Bob, that's the National Security Council. It is, yeah. Why don't I give you a number of the lawyer we have on retainer? Ask her opinion of the legality of all of it. So Cap's just laying on the on the bed. He's he's very frustrated, right? He's holding the phone. Who'd ever think it would come to this? My having to consult a lawyer to advise me if my country is being straight with me. No, those men are not my country. They are only paid bureaucrats of the country's current administration. They represent the country's political system, while I represent those intangibles upon which our nation was founded. Liberty, justice, dignity, the pursuit of happiness. That really is my major stumbling block with their plan for me. By going back to my wartime role as a glorified agent of America's official policies, I'd be compromising my effectiveness as a symbol that transcends mere politics. What a dilemma. We cut back to the Washington Mommy Nabob, 1.33 p.m., and we have Warhead on, a, on, a, on his megaphone. America's been a nation of wimps and bunglers. We talk big about the Libyans, the Iranians, the Nicaraguans walk all over us. America needs to flex its muscles again, show the world who's boss. To do that, we've got to go to war. A whole generation has come of age since Vietnam. A whole generation who's had no way to prove its manhood. We need to declare war on somebody. The Arabs, the Libyans, maybe even the Ruskies. Only war can strengthen our national character. To spur the leaders of our nation into action, I'm making a stand. I've got me a nuclear device up here that I've just armed. It's set to go off at midnight tonight unless America declares war on somebody. Anybody. I'm not choosy. Tell the president he's got only 11 hours before the Washington gets nuked. Can he be serious? At 2.55 p.m., Bob, an hour and 22 minutes later. So Ethan and Super Patriot coming out of a taxi. And Ethan says, we're in luck, jo or Super Patriot. The nutcase is still up there. I'm not so sure about this, Ethan. I may be brave, but I'm not stupid. The radio said he claims to have a nuke, and he'll detonate it if anyone tries to interfere. You have to be as nutty as he is to want to go up there and play patty cake with thick positive old bean. This will make you a national hero. 3.02 p.m. And we have Super Patriot walking up to a police officer. And he's showing his costume as if that's going to make any difference. Excuse me, officer. My name's Super Patriot. Maybe you've heard of me. I was wondering if I could be of any help. 
Never heard of you, pal. Now get back to the other side of the cordon. Uh, perhaps you aren't aware of a man of power. Watch. And he takes the, um, one of the, uh, what do you call those things? Sawhorse, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and it said, uh, police line, do not cross. He takes it and he breaks it, snaps it in half. And the police officer says, real cute. That won't get mean spit to a guy with a nuclear bomb. Now get lost before I book you for destroying city property. So he goes back to Ethan. Well, what happened? They really don't want my help, Ethan. Come on, let's get out of town before the whole place blows. 321 p.m. Cap's sitting on his hotel bed. He's got his shirt off. Looking pretty manually there, right? He does. Uh, my, my wife, man, if I had my boots on a bed like that, my wife would have my hat. <laughs> and he's got his arms crossed behind his head because he's laying on a pillow, which uh, demonstrates the fact that he's really thinking. What would be the worst that could happen if I went along with the com- commission's mandate? As a high-profile representative, they couldn't ask me to do anything too un-American, could they? They undoubtedly want me to quit the Avengers. They're not officially approved of. Would they assign me to Freedom Force? Or maybe send me to Nicaragua to help the Contras? I'd have to give up the hotline. Couldn't answer the calls of both the government and private citizens. And if I refused to be the Captain America they wanted, I'd have to go to Tony Stark, ask him for a million-dollar loan to get the commission off my back. I had to give up my cap uniform. Maybe adopt a new costume identity like when I became the original Nomad. Worst of all, I'd, I'd have to deal with the fact that someone else was in my uniform, using my shield and name. Either way, I'd be giving up. And then his phone rings. Hmm. Now who? And it's, it's the uh, attorney. Captain Inger Sullivan What I need before I can proceed is a copy of the agreement you signed in 1941. I'm quite confident that no matter what it says, we could fight it in court. What I see as the real issue is, who owns the Captain America concept? Those created it in the abstract? Or you, who created it in the concrete? Cap hangs up, 4.16 p.m. He looks like he's got a migraine. 4.58 4.58 p.m., and we're back to the Washington Monument, and it's dark, it's rainy, it's windy, and we, uh, the um, John Walker is coming back up to the police line. I don't have, I ought to have my head examined, letting Ethan talk me into this. Still, he has a point. If I want to make a bigger name for myself than Captain America... I got to use deeds, not words. And all of a sudden, there's fireworks going off uh, up in the sky around the monument. There's the fireworks. Ethan set off my signal to move. With any luck, the nutcase on the monument will be so busy checking out the light show, he won't see me approach. And so he throws off his trench coat, and he has, he's in his... Um, super patriot costume and he's got a backpack on and he leaps see you in a bit stop him joe guy runs like grease lightning 4 59 p.m 
and he gets to the bottom of the monument and he crashes open the door and he gets to the stairway. Made it. Most flatfoots don't have a prayer of outrunning my strength, augmented legs. Sure was risky setting off those flares. Forehead were that nervous type. We'd all be ash right now. The elevator or the stairs? Don't want to chance a power failure. According to Ethan, there's 898 steps to the top. I take three at a time. 5.02 p.m. We're at the top of the uh, monument where Warhead is. Back, all of you. I don't know what you're up to. You try another stunt like those fireworks, and I'll show real fireworks. You hear? And he's firing the machine gun, and he's firing it at down at the ground, and the police are all scattering. He's shooting at us. Fall back, fall back. We didn't set off those fireworks. It was a wise guy in the crowd. We have him in custody now. Now, you mind telling us where you got yourself a nuclear device? So that's it. You new jerks don't believe I really have a nuke, huh? Well, I do. Got it from the Advanced Idea Mechanics. Go check, but tell the Prez there ain't much time left. Advanced Idea Mechanics? That's one of them terrorist groups, right? Yes. One of my men has already been investigating all private arms suppliers, including them. Can we just have the president pretend to do what he's asking just to get him down from there? 5.15 p.m. Kev's back in his hotel. He's looking out the rainy window. I ought to step out. Haven't eaten all day. But I just don't feel like doing anything until I sort out what to do. wonder if Bernie's back from her class yet. Her housemate said he'd expect her to be late tonight. Wait, I know someone who I haven't talked to yet. Hello, Mrs. Ridley. This is Captain America. Oh, I've been better. Yes, very busy. Is your son home from school yet? Could I talk to him? So yeah. Ram gets on the phone. Hello, Ram speaking. Cap, oh, wow. I didn't expect to hear from you. What can I do for you? You just want to talk to me? Sure. You kidding? I'll never get tired of being one of your stars and stripes. You can't believe how many friends I've made through the computer network. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me, besides getting to meet you. Nope. I'll help you all I can no matter what happens, even after I start dating. Rick, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but yeah. Ram's bedroom looks a lot like your man cave. Well, Bob, there may be some truth to how I look, what I look like when Ram was, I was Ram's age. <laughs> he's got the art on the wall. He's got the figures. He's got a shield there. And the glasses. He's, yeah, he's got, <laughs> got the whole thing going on, man. Yeah. Well, it's true. Maybe... Um, that bedspread. I got news for Ram. Maybe he didn't get many dates. <laughs> He's going to have time to do the computer network thing. Mm-hmm. So Steve answers Ram. Well, I've got to go now, Ram. And he thinks to himself, no matter what I do, I'll be letting Ram and my other hotliners down. If I sign up with the government, I'll have to disband the computer network. If I give up being capped, How can I expect people not to lose faith in me or the ideals this nation was founded upon? So we cut to John Walker, 5.59 p.m. Once I make my move, I'm going to have to work fast. That jerk does have a nuke. 
I've got to disable him before he can get set it off. If I'm lucky, resetting the timer is real complicated. Hope this rain doesn't make it too slick to climb. Here goes. And what he's doing, Bob, is he's, uh, he's inside, but he wants to punch through some glass to get to the outside so he can crawl up the Washington Monument to get to the top where Warhead is. Better not look down. And he has these claws on his uh, wrists. Um, it almost looks like a Wolverine claws, but of course they're coming from his wrist, not through his hands, knuckles. And then Warhead looks down and he heard a noise. What was that sound? Like a crash real close. Someone trying to stick up on me? Wish I could see the blasted side of what? A hand. And he starts firing his, his gun, but John Walker removes his hand pretty quickly. Sharp eyes that punk's got. Got to scramble around to another face of this thing. You're dead, creep. You're going to be scraping you off the ground with butter knives. At least if he's trying to shoot at me, he doesn't have time to arm the bomb. Don't look down, man. Don't look down. Easy, easy. If I drop this throwing star, I'm sunk. Okay. Now, steady. Show yourself, traitor. Let me see what lousy peacenick has the guts to climb up here. I didn't imagine you, man. I know you're here somewhere. Hair's blowing in his face. Gotta make this shot. And he throws one of his throwing stars and he hits him in the temple. Ah! I'll kill you! Dropped his Uzi. Gotta move. Kill! And he pulls out a pistol and he fires in John John's chest, point blank. Bam, bam! Got you, you stickin' dove! Got you! He would've had an been wearing uniform made of Kevlar. Now to shake this snake off his perch. Huh? Ah! And he does. He throws him right off. He uh, basically kills him, Bob. And then as he's falling, gonna, gonna go out like a man. And he pulls out a pin from one of his hand grenades and he blows up midair. And then John Walker thinks to himself, well, I rocked his perch. I forgot this blinking nuke was up here. Did it? Thank God. Still, still here. What was I thinking of when I yanked on this platform? Guess I was so afraid he'd shoot me in the face, I forgot about this thing. This is a nuke, isn't it? Never saw one before. Better get this down quick. He said it was set to go off at midnight. Hope they can disarm it in the next six hours. 6.19 p.m. He comes down, and uh, the police are waiting for him. Okay, hold it right there. Glad to, as long as someone takes this nuke off my hands. Good Lord, it really is a... Yeah. And it's all yours. I've done my bit. 6.40 a.m., Bob. So we've already, we've cut 12 hours later. And it's the morning. Steve's leaving the hotel in Washington, D.C., but he's dressed in his civvies. Still a bit early. I have time to get some breakfast and catch up on the news. Funny how calm I am now that I've made up my mind. 6:43 a.m. He's at a uh, he's at a 
a new, like a news booth, right, Bob? What, what do they call it? Newsstand. News Thank yeah. you. Yeah, the little booth on the side of the street. There's a guy there, and he's selling magazines and he's selling comic books. In fact, there's a Captain America comic book. But he grabs the newspaper. What's this? Super Patriot frees Washington Monument. Terrorist commits suicide. Nuclear device disarmed. Looks like I missed a lot locked away in my hotel room all yesterday. Super Patriot seems to be the man of the year. 7.49 or 7.59 a.m. Cap gets out of a cab in front of the uh, Pentagon. Keep it. 8.02 a.m. He walks in. Steve Rogers to see the commission. This way. 8.03 a.m. It's interesting that Mark keeps marking the time, right? Right, yeah. 8.08 a.m. He's walking down a corridor. Go in. They've been expecting you. So he goes into that big hall with the presidential seal and everybody sitting in these tall booth cap stands in front of him. Gentlemen, I've given the matter we discussed yesterday a great deal of thought. And I regret to say that in all good conscience, I cannot accept your conditions of employment. Captain America was created to be a mere soldier. But I have made him far more than that. To return to being a mere soldier would be a betrayal of all I've striven for, for the better part of my career. To serve the country your way, I would have to give up my personal freedom and place myself in a position where I might have to compromise my ideals to obey your orders. I cannot represent the American government. The president does that. I must represent the American people. I represent the American dream, the freedom to strive to become all that you dream of being. Being Captain America has been my American dream. To become what you want me to be, I would have to compromise that dream, abandon what I have come to stand for. My commitment to the ideals of this country is greater than my commitment to a 40-year-old document. I am sorry, but that's the way it must be. Gentlemen, I believe these are yours. And he hands him the uniform and the shield. 8.12 a.m. The end of an era. Well... Well, indeed, Bob. Mm -hmm. So think back, Rick. 1987, huh? What was your, your, how old were you then? 16, 17? Yeah, I was 16 and a half. 16 and a half. All right. Pick this up. It's a different time then, right? 1987 was a very different time in American society. Indeed. So, yeah, I have been at this point um, reading Captain America for four years. So I have been uh, picking up this monthly, regularly, monthly for four years straight. And I think my reaction to this was, what? Whoa. 
this was um, huge. This was a huge time. And it was um, mind-blowing. But it was, of course, he's going to be Captain America next issue, right? I mean, he can't, Steve can't give up being Captain America, right? I mean, like, this this isn't something that's going to last, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd done it before, temporarily at least. So, I mean, I guess the possibility was there, but. I mean, in a broader sense, like, you know, in 87, I was, uh, I was uh, like, a, I don't know, a sophomore, junior, only a sophomore in, uh, in military college, right? I was getting ready to, to have a career in the military, in the Marines, right? I was gung-ho, like a big, I had a poster of Reagan on my wall, right? Had this big framed front page of the Boston Herald from, uh, from the invasion of Panama said our forces are standing tall again right very reminiscent you know you know we go through these cycles right um i don't remember how i reacted i remember this issue um, because I, I wasn't getting them regularly i'd have to go back home to the comic book shop and like get back issues at this time because they weren't selling them up in vermont where i was in college but i think this would have hit me very very differently uh than it does now with the wisdom of like, you know, a career in hindsight and, mm-hmm. you know, education and experience and having a family and all these other sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, if I can remember who I was back then, it would have hit me very, very different. This would have left me very confused and bewildered um, and not understanding what Cap was talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Not grasping why he couldn't reconcile being Captain America with listening to the duly elected authorities and, you know, of his country. Like that would have been confusing to me back then. Very much so. Like the commission was confused, right? When they said, Mm -hmm. we don't, why talk of the absurd, right? We, we, we don't, why are you even questioning the orders of your president? Like we, we didn't anticipate this would even be a possibility. Right. I wouldn't have anticipated it as a possibility back then, you know? Um, but again, you know, I, I changed over the course of a lifetime and now I see, I see what, what Grunwald was talking about uh, in that, in that speech and in that wrestling with, uh, you know, Steve's decision about what to do and how he was genuinely torn. Um, that hits home in a very different way for me now. You know, that's, that's an excellent point, Bob. Um, and, and we're all, listen, 1987, that was about 35 years ago, let's say, right? So hopefully we are all different since then. Hopefully we have grown, we have changed. It reminds me of a quote from Muhammad Ali, uh, and I, I, Maybe I'm misremembering the quote, but it was something to the effect of, um, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm not the same person that I was, you know, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, that I've grown, right? And so um, that's part of, part of, uh, uh, you know, Captain America has grown, 
right? I mean, Mark Grunewald masterfully does a, an excellent job in, in this talking about how he's not the same person he's grown, right? That he's not this soldier that he was, that he, he represents the American dream. Back, back in World War II, he didn't represent the American dream. Not at all, no. Right? He, yeah. he was a super soldier. Yeah. That's what he was. He was yeah. a super soldier. And so, you know, sometimes, listen, to our listeners out there who every one of you is a true Captain America fan, right? Like you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't. So we're not, we're not questioning anybody. We're not debating anybody. Everybody has their own version of which Captain America they love the most. Me personally, I'm not a, I'm not a big golden age fan. Like I, you're not going to, I don't own a golden age comic. I, I own everything from 1964 now, you know, as far as, you know, the silver age to, to now, ever since he was, I, I elected to not go back and, and look at and get golden age because he, he's not, that character is not the same character I know and love, right? The soldier from World War II is not the character that he has become. And so I, I'm a fan of the superhero, not the super soldier. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. I think Mark Grunewald, in all honesty, was too. I, I think he made it very clear in this story that, you know, he is someone who believes that Cap is going to struggle with doing the right thing. Obviously, he, he, this whole issue, every part of Steve's story <clears throat> is him struggling with what to do and reaching out to his close loved ones, right? His, his close friends to, to help him. Um, what, a, what a human characteristic, right? What a relatable characteristic. Um, that, that's part of the charm of Mark Grunewald's characterization of Steve Rogers, I think. I do too. You know, it's, uh, I'm going to do something that's uh, often verboten, but you know, it's interesting that in the, in the cinematic universe, we often hear about the hero's arc, right? I mean, Tony Stark had his arc, Steve Rogers had his, uh, his arc, uh, and there was closure, right? To all those, those arcs over the course of many films, their character sort of evolved in a certain direction and there was an opening and there was a closing, but in the comics, we don't ever really get a closing. Right. Sure. But we have seen that character arc evolve from the golden age through, you know, the late golden age, early silver age. And the character has continued to evolve. But but the nature of the beast in in that sort of dilated time is it dilated time or compressed. What do they call it? I don't know. Whatever it is that sort of keeps things sort of time in the Marvel Universe, never really marching too far forward. But we never we never get to the end of that arc. But it is a continuing process of, at least, you know, certainly for Steve, uh, his continuing evolution. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So this has been fun. I mean, right. We're, we are on the, the road to the captain. And, and so uh, I know this has been a long episode. Um, these, these, this is the second one. The first one was long. This one's long. They're all going to be long. My voice is gone. Uh, but, you know, thanks to you listeners for, for listening through this. Um, we've hope we've captured uh, some of the highlights. I mean, we obviously went through every, every panel, but um, just captured, you know, the importance and some of these um, moments in this history of Captain America, because uh, this is a huge story and we hope you, you stick with us as we continue this journey, the second Wednesday of every month, as um, the next time we'll come back, we will do road to the captain part three, which will be issues 333 through 335. And we'll do that in episode 79. Uh, come, come back next week for episode 75 and we're going to we're going to go jump back into the time machine bob from 1987 we're going to go back to 1965 uh, and we're going to hit tales of suspense uh when captain america was in a um solo stories with uh sharing the the series with iron man we're going to hit 62 which is, uh, I think it was what Escape from Cell Block Ten, right? right? Yeah, that's the first story uh, that uh, when we we reviewed a few issues uh, episodes ago, Captain America two sixty. That will be the the story that two sixty is the sequel to. So that'll be fun. And then we're also going to hit uh, Tales of Suspense sixty four, which is a flashback to a World War two story. So we're gonna. Go back to 1965, but heck, we're going to go back to World War II as well. Mm-hmm. So come back next episode, 75, and we'll cover those those issues. So, Bob, as always, it has been so much fun wrapping cap with you. Yeah, I really, I particularly enjoyed your uh, your countdown. Let's uh, we should make that a, a, a recurring a recurring event. That was that was uh, that was good. You're welcome, Bob. I'm happy to do it. Maybe next time we're going to do it in 1965. All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you've been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Or something like that.